Hello and welcome to Peabody's podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth W. Marshall. This is episode seven, which means we are still a rather newish podcast. In fact, this is season one, episode seven. And being a bit new to the world of podcasts, we are particularly glad you found us, that you've chosen to stay and listen, that you're sharing a part of your day with us. Maybe you stumbled upon us or heard about us from a friend or on social media. Any and all of these make our hearts sing, so welcome. If this is your first time as a listener, or if you're returning to the podcast weekly for new episodes every Wednesday, we're grateful to have you here. At Peabody's, we believe in the art of storytelling and the art of listening well to the stories of others. We believe in pursuing the fine art of noticing, noticing beauty, awe, and wonder, discovering and uncovering the ordinary of the everyday, and we believe in supporting creatives, sharing their work and listening to them as they share their passions and their art. I hope you joined me last week for part one of my interview with author Ashley Hales of Finding Holy in the Suburbs. If not, listen into episode six at your convenience and the first half of our conversation. We laugh, we listen, we talk, and we share a little. Ashley's book is available in multiple formats wherever books are sold. If you are an audiobook lover, you will enjoy knowing that Ashley is the reader of her own book, so you can download that version and walk and drive and listen to the words of this wise and thoughtful woman as you do life. Listen in now as we continue our conversation, but first hear what others are saying about finding holy and the words and work of writer Ashley Hales. Jen Pollock-Michael, author of Teach Us to Want and Keeping Place, says this, Ashley Hales stands in the bold tradition of the ancient prophets. In her book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, she exposes the tinsel temptations of the suburbs and calls us to Christ and his ways of generous self-sacrifice. The book's vivid storytelling, biblical reflections, unabashed truth-telling, and practical applications make it a worthy read for anyone, no matter where they live. Seth Haynes, author of Coming Clean, A Story of Faith, says this, Ashley is the rare sort of writer, imaginative yet concrete, prophetic yet gentle. She only cuts where she can bring healing. She brings just this sort of writing to finding holy in the suburbs. And whether you're a suburban dweller, city slicker, or rural resident, this book has a powerful word to say about place and belonging. Wonderful to have you back. Um, so, I in the world of podcasting, um, today is the day before your book release. Um, today is Monday, the twenty second, and your book releases tomorrow. So, congratulations again! And Thank you. This pod- 
Oh gosh, I'm thrilled for you. This podcast will air on Wednesday, October 24th. So just to get all of our tenses right, your book releases tomorrow. And I'm so thrilled that you're with me on the eve of your book release. So thanks for carving out time. Of course. So with that being said, uh, I know you're really busy. And so it's a little ironic that um, I'm wanting to hone in a little bit on chapter three. (laughs) I could not find a favorite chapter, but I'm particularly um, interested in discussing chapter three, this uh, circling the suburbs in my minivan busyness. And I love the quote that you begin the chapter with. I think it's just so lovely. Um, And I'll read it to so our listeners can hear. The words are from Brennan Manning's Abba Child, and he writes, Our controlled frenzy creates the illusion of a well-ordered existence. We move from crisis to crisis, responding to the urgent and neglecting the essential. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just love to spend a minute um, in this chapter on busyness and talk about how slowing and finding pockets of quiet and even silence are vital to our souls and to finding holy in the suburbs and really everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think, um, for me, even just today, I, you know, I woke up early and I had a lot of quiet as I worked on everything that needs to happen for this book launch. Um, and just some time in prayer. And then I ended up because it's my husband's day off today, we grabbed a coffee together. I went on a walk with my sister-in-law and those sorts of kind of grounding those grounding moments really even um, allow me to then, you know, do the school pickup and do the errands and do the laundry and all of these things that kind of, you know, really vie for our attention and our affections. Um, so for me, it's been some of these quieter rhythms of walking, of, you know, connecting with people, of having silence and stillness before the house wakes up that have been really grounding. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I, I really, really relate to that um, and feel like so much of um, my life has um, felt more sacred um, the slower um, I live it. Mm. So there's something about pacing and wider margins and silence and um, all of those things that are essential to, uh, as you say, a grounding in our lives. And also, I think they lead to a holiness. So mm. um This chapter is just so rich. One of the lines that you write that I absolutely love, and I'd love for you to connect the dots a little bit more to this on this, you say, um, we have to have the courage to slow down. And to me, that's so profound. Yeah, I think it's just so easy just to do what everyone else around us does. And that's going to look differently in different places. But I mean, for where I am, it's, you know, it's, it's scheduling their kids, it's doing all the things to help their advancement and their success. Um, and that it just becomes, that's the way of life and to do, and to step out of that frenetic activity is countercultural. And so to choose to, you know, eat dinner around our table to, to choose to say, okay, we're going to schedule time for our family or schedule time for just being in the neighborhood or, you know, that we are choosing to not participate, you know, in sports on a Sunday or whatever it is that, that these sorts of rhythms that we, we create boundaries around them actually helps us to experience that freedom and that rest, um, that God wants us to experience when we have a good boundary. But when we're simply just kind of going with whatever our culture tells us to do, and they're always going to want us to hurry up, uh, we will not really, I don't think, experience 
or be able to listen carefully to where God would have us be. Mm, I love that. I love that. And that leads um, to some of the um, some of the deepness that you um, uncover in this chapter about I just I love first of all, let me say I love the way you put a sentence together. <laughs> I you. love you love your writing and I just I'm reading some of the sentences over and over again and some of them are really really resonating with me particularly mm-hmm. in my life now because I have this theme in my life and in this podcast of pursuing the art of noticing which mm-hmm. requires me to slow down and re- has required me to learn to say no to things and mm-hmm. to um, build wider margins in my day and so I'm on page 75 and I love this line where you talk about this lifeline of noticing I, to mm-hmm. me that's poetry Ashley I love it so mm, thank you and you tie that to walking and um and so many writers and just human beings have found peace and solace and mm-hmm. um of wholeness and walking and so mm-hmm. maybe you can speak to that you speak to it often in the book and other chapters not just so maybe connect the dots on that a little bit more for us yeah you know I think Walking has been one way, you know, that I kind of get out of my own head a lot of times um, to get back into my body. And it's been a way to, um, you know, just kind of help get the creative juices flowing. It's a great prayer time. It's great time. Like I was saying, I just went, you know, went on an hour walk with my sister-in-law to share, you know, with someone that I connect deeply with. Um, It's great for our kids just to get the energy out. (laughs) But, um, you know, a lot of it too is like, these are just the normal rhythms that I need to be healthy and be whole and to also notice my place and to see the needs around me. Um, That it's just one way in which like I'm trying to kind of get out of either some kind of abstract notion of who God is or what my place is about or what my role is and calling and vocation and all these big abstract words and actually get as particular and momentary as I can. Um, Mm. And I think for me, um, it just helps root me in, in the particular, in the concrete, which I think, you know, makes me a better writer, but also just a better person uh, to be able Mm. to, to slow down, to notice, to pay attention, uh, to really see the world instead of just running past it. Um, that's so beautifully said. Um, I have um, another particular fascination with <laughs> labyrinths, and mm-hmm. you reference um, a labyrinth in your neighborhood in in your suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've read some books on labyrinths, and I love the whole notion of of what that does to us in terms of slowing. So can you share briefly the story of the last? Yeah. So it was just, um, it's funny. It's really just like a few hundred yards away from our house. And it's just this, uh, you know, I think that the suburban master planners just probably thought, Oh, well that's kind of fun, you know, and that's, that's going to add interest or, or something, uh, to the area. And, you know, most of the time it's just, we just run through it. Uh, it's kind of this oddity in the middle of, um, our running paths where we are. And, you know, one day I just kind of, I was with my two little kids and they love going around in circles. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to walk the labyrinth. And so I'm, you know, I'm hopeful like for the space of transformation, you know, that you'll get to the center and experience more of God. And I I didn't, and it was kind of jarring because it's 
kind of like, I'm doing this thing, God, why aren't you showing up for me how I tell you to? Um, but I think, you know, as I remembered, like turning, as I got to the center of the labyrinth and was turning back around, it just became this metaphor for me to understand, mm. like, you know, even if God doesn't show up in some big flashy way, you know, that as like my heart and affections are turned one way, that as they as I grow in Christ likeness, that they will be turned the other way. And it's going to feel disorienting and weird, just like on that turning back around the opposite way, coming from the center back to the outside of the, of the labyrinth. And so for me, you know, sometimes things like that are just, these are exercises in being present, um, being present to our place, to our bodies, to ourselves, to God, and not expecting God to necessarily show up in big flashy burning bush moments, but, um, but to just, to practice and to walk and have those disciplines of seeing and hearing and noticing that you you talk about too. Well, it's interesting. The first time, one of the first times I went to a labyrinth, I went with a real, um, how shall I say it, um, a stubbornness of spirit, <laughs> and I was almost going to try to prove that the labyrinth that would have no effect on me. Yeah. And so I, I know what you're saying. And so I went and I tried to go through it really fast. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm just going to not do what I'm meant to do. Listen now as we continue our conversation on Finding Holy in the Suburbs. I ask Ashley to dig a little deeper into the heart of the message and to give us some practical wisdom. Elizabeth, yeah, you're right. We all live busy lives, but I love how the focus of your podcast is on the importance of noticing and how we can notice. I mean, for instance, on my launch day, which was the 23rd, I was driving to pick up my son from soccer and the moon is this gorgeous harvest moon, it looks like. And it's so easy to lose perspective on something as beautiful as the moon because we are rushing here and there and everywhere to get to where we need to be. And I think really what's underneath that busyness is a sense that we are, we think too highly of ourselves, that we, we are required to kind of hold the world together. And I think that there's so much to be gained by simply commenting and closing our eyes, slowing down, making space to slow down in your lives. Um, so for me, that's looked, like I've said, it looks a lot like walking. Um, it looks a lot like making a list of the things that bring me life. Um, and those things might be different for, for you than they are for me. Um, for me, there are things like walking, moving my body, getting out into nature, reading about good, big ideas, uh, having deep connecting conversations with people. These are the things for me anyway, that really bring me life. And I realize I need to prioritize them yet at the same time. I have had several times, right, where I have, here's my checklist, you know, work out, drink a lot of water, eat healthy, do the walk, be out in nature, spend time with God, have great conversations. And I still find myself struggling with the same sort of things. And so I think there's just a tension and the whole book is full of a lot of tension, <laughs> um, but that to find holy in your place, wherever it is, it is both embracing. These are the very small acts that I can do well that will bring me closer to the heart of the kingdom of God, where I am lived in my body and my mind, my soul and my place. And also realizing that this list, whatever it is, is not something that's actually going to save me, but it is still 
step stones on the path towards health. And so I'm going to take them. But I'm going to also realize that my heart is busy. My heart is always going to focus on myself um, and that I need redemption there too. And so do we all. Another thing that I found really enjoyable um, to hear from people about the book is the practical nature of it, because that's not really my natural bent. I would love to just talk ideas all day. I would love to talk sentences and transformation. And I would, I wish transformation in some ways was a little bit more exciting and a little bit less mundane. And yet I am finding it is these slow, quiet, daily disciplines, these rhythms of the week that actually not only root me in my place, but root me in my body. They help to expand my soul, like reading my Bible every day, going to church every week, participating in the Lord's Supper, um, you know, tithing every month, that these are very small, really ordinary means of grace that as we dig into them, we actually find looking back that those are the transformative things. And it's not to say that those kind of mountaintop experiences aren't important or don't happen. Um, but it is to say that the way that the Spirit of God tends to work is in ordinary elements, whether that's bread or wine or water, um, but they tend to be ordinary. So I think the call of finding holy in the suburbs is for particularly my suburban readers to wake up to the way that ordinary can be a gift, uh, to to notice their places, to give to give heed and attention to the way that their places are shaping what they love. Because if we are only considering our places in terms of this is comfortable to me or fun for me or diverting to me or it meets my needs, then we are simply using our places like another consumer choice. If, however, we belong to a wider story of the kingdom of God, then our places matter. And we have to reckon with how our places shape our lives, both for good and for ill. And so the things about the suburbs that are great, things like safety and beauty and community and wholeness, um, we need to make sure that those are extended out beyond kind of the cool tribe or people who have are the quote unquote right or dominant, you know, socioeconomic um bracket, whatever it is. But we have to just reckon with our places shape our lives. And the ways that we do that is by, you know, mulling over things like finding a way in the suburbs, um, reading things that are outside our normal um, things that we read, um, engaging in a different news channel, um, you know, meeting someone who is different from us culturally or ethnically or religiously. Um, but those sorts of things bring us out of seeing our places and our people as simply another consumer choice. And I think the church is primed to, to do that. We, we say that the church is a place where we can come together, where we can be who we are, that the church accepts all of us because Jesus accepts us in, uh, through his death and resurrection. Um, but often our churches just look like another consumer choice. So I would just encourage your listeners because you know we are we are starting a church in the suburbs we get it um but i would encourage your listeners just to think prayerfully through what communities do they belong to so you know what groups are they a part of how are they affiliated what is the maybe what's the diversity there and how can you just widen your circle a little bit so that would be a question i'd love to leave your listeners with how do you widen your circle 
one little inch at a time, whether that's saying, hey, I'm going to walk my kids to school or I'm going to not go to Target just when I feel bored or, you know, I'm going to give myself a no shopping month or um, I'm going to try to just simply schedule time outside to get to know my neighbors. Uh, I'm going to try to put together a neighborhood potluck, what, you know, whatever it is, uh, or just even saying, I am willing to be interrupted. I'm willing uh, to slow down enough for other people can be a huge gift of shifting the focus away from ourselves and into the wider expanse of God's kingdom. So anyway, start paying attention. Think of one little baby step where you can widen the circle just a bit. In the chapter entitled Being Beloved, Ashley lays out at the end of the chapter a section entitled Practice. Here she lays out four practical steps that the reader can take. The first is waking ritual, the second read, the third spark your imagination, and the fourth repent and pray. Under number three, Ashley writes as follows, spark your imagination, read books, look at art, read poetry, listen to good music, and notice nature as the handiwork of the artist. As we see all of life and the artistic and cultural products as pointing back to God, our loves and imaginations are formed. This is the slow work of growing into a greater love and a better story. And finally, thank you for joining me for this episode of Peabody's Podcast. What a joy to know you are listening in. Thanks to those of you who have sent us a voice message as well as your reviews and feedback. Leaving us a review or sending us a message is always a huge gift because we know life is full and life is busy. It takes time to slow down and write a review. We place a high value on those reviews, and so does the podcasting world. If you have a moment, would you consider leaving a review on your favorite listening platform? We're going to begin sharing your recorded voice messages on the air. We may select your words, your voice, to include in a future podcast. If you would like to recommend an artist for our consideration to be featured in an upcoming interview, we welcome those suggestions and recommendations. You can email us at peabittiespodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all email correspondences that land in our inbox. We love hearing from you all. It's that simple. If you're on social media, consider sharing this or other episodes with your followers. We'll be looking for your mentions, and we will always say thank you. Your encouragement and your help in spreading the news of our podcast fills us with gratitude. We're currently having a ton of fun designing Peabody's podcast merchandise. If you have seen our logo, we are tweaking and refining, fine-tuning the logo. We're almost there. Our merchandise will be available soon to our subscribers. We want to give you a gift for being an early listener, an early subscriber, an early supporter. So subscribe and then look forward to our gift to you. Listen in next week. Visit us on Instagram. We are Peabody's Podcast there. Soon we'll share more details about upcoming episodes in the works for Season 1 and the very latest on our merchandise for subscribers. Thank you for joining us for Episode 7. 
We are here cheering you on in your uncovering and discovering of the beauty of the ordinary and in your pursuit of the art of noticing beauty, awe, and wonder. Until next week, I'm your host, Elizabeth W. Marshall.